And welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst Jared Hallis here from BeaversEdge.com. Well, Beaver fans, that was a good weekend, wasn't it? Oregon State finishes off the Turkey Day weekend with a 41-38 win over Oregon. Uh, they moved to 2-2 two and two on the season, extend their winning streak to two games. Got a huge matchup against Utah this weekend. Uh, Jared and I will be breaking it all down amongst a whole bunch of other stuff. But, Jared, I'm just curious uh, what your first reactions were. It was obviously a, a huge program-defining win for, for Jonathan Smith, and they've said as much. But now it's on to the next week. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I remember just kind of watching the game, and I was watching it with my girlfriend, and we were just sitting there, like, and she kept trying to talk to me. And I was like, stop. Like, just wait. Just wait. And this is, of course, like, Oregon State's getting the ball down. This is, like, in the last probably 10 minutes or so. You know, they score that go-ahead touchdown, but then Oregon's able to respond. And I'm just, like, locked in at this point. And she keeps trying to talk to me. And I'm just like, just just please. And I, I was I was messaging with uh, with Timmy, too, Timmy uh, Hernandez, who we had on the podcast a while back, because I don't know if you remember, but he actually – I think he was the only one of us that predicted, like, outright a win for Oregon State. And this was this was forever. Ago. He – it's funny you say that because he reached out to make sure to say, hey, Brendan, you picked Oregon at Beaver's Edge. So he made sure to give me a hard time after that, too. Oh, yeah. Timmy, we love Timmy, man. He's uh, an awesome guy. And I said I was, um, you know, in that regard, I was pleasantly surprised. I knew the Beavers would play well. And that's why I picked him to cover the spread, which was 13 and a half. And, you know, they just covered it a little bit better than I thought they would. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, you have to give credit. You know, there's so many different levels that we can break down the game. And obviously, you know, now as we're recording this podcast close to the Utah game, um, you know, don't want to harp on it too much. But just kind of on face value, you know, you could go so many different ways with it. But it's such a huge win for Jonathan Smith, a huge win for the Beavers, because it just validates everything they've been working towards. They finally get that marquee win. You know, maybe in the last couple of years they'd have a win, but you don't know if you'd call it marquee. Well, now you do, right? Top 15 win uh, at home in a rivalry. You know, it meant a lot to Oregon. And, and that's the thing that I tell uh, Beaver fans, and even something that I wrote about my story uh, following the contest was, um, unlike 2016, where Oregon State won for the last time, and, you know, yours truly believes that, uh, you know, Oregon knew what they were doing in firing Mark Helfrich a week later, and maybe – you know, maybe didn't give their full effort in that game. You know, the Ducks weren't going anywhere that year. They finished with, I believe, the same or worse record than Oregon State in conference. And that game that year meant more to Oregon State. They won the game. This year, I think it's more special to the players and Oregon State fans because this meant so much to Oregon. Oregon needed this game to go to the college football playoff. We talked about it on the pod last week. And, you know, just to kind of get into this, you know, real, real basically – it's like, you know, Jonathan Smith said uh, about the, you know, penultimate scoring drive play of the game where Tristan Jebbia got injured. Both teams at that point were laying their entire seasons on the line to win. And, you know, that's just, you know, the way the cookie crumbles sometimes as far as football and injuries go. And, you know, I got credit, you know, Oregon State, they got down, they came back, they didn't quit. Tristan Jebbia showed some extreme toughness before going down. Uh, our guy, Chance Nolan, gets in there, seals the deal. We'll obviously talk about him throughout the podcast, but just, a, a, you know, a real gutty, gutty win. And that's, you know, it could really lead to something. You know, we'll that's, see what happens. And it's weird that it's a shortened season where we only get, you know, two, three more games. But I think this is big and a lot to work from. 
Yeah, no, I like I like the word that, that you used to describe it. They showed a ton of guts, especially down the stretch. Um, I mean, if the ESPN little power index thing means anything to you, then they had basically no chance of winning the game throughout until that last drive. Uh, so they definitely, you know, playing with their backs against the wall. And another thing that you mentioned, and I wholeheartedly agree with, I, I think this game meant everything to Oregon. It had to. Every game is, it has to mean everything to a team that's trying to make the playoff. So, uh, you know, I, nobody except for, you know, select people like Timmy and whoever else saw it coming. Uh, <laughs> it happened. And, uh, you know, a ton of people were super excited about it. Again, like you said, uh, Chance was able to come in there. And, man, I was – I was – <laughs> I, I remember, I remember you texting me too. I was trying to get my updates going, man, zoned into the game. And yeah. Jared's like, chance. I'm like, I didn't realize man. it was fourth down. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this could be horrible or this could be the best thing. Right. Because, you know, how, how bad would it have been? Chance comes in his first play ever as an Oregon State Beaver is getting stuffed on the one yard line to lose to, to Oregon in a chance where he had the chance to win the game. We're not even going to talk about that anymore because it didn't happen. It was amazing. Uh, like you said, chances are guy. Uh, you know, you, you knew this was coming for him since the the moment the Oregon State started recruiting him. Uh, right. Maybe in this fashion, this early. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the team. Great win. Uh, and got a lot of got a lot of recruits excited as well. So just a great thing overall. And you know, they got to keep it got to keep it moving. That that'll be important as well. You know, you can't win a game like this and just shut your season off. Usually this is the last game of the year. Right. And Jonathan mentioned that he did yeah. and even mentioned, you know, for goodness, I mean, in my lifetime alone, you know, outside of a bowl game, I think this was only the second time ever that Oregon state did not finish the year with Oregon. And yeah. even that was, you know, a pretty rare thing. And now you're going to turn, turn around. You have two scheduled opponents, more, more than likely three total opponents, depending on, you know, how COVID and everything all shakes out. A lot can happen in three weeks, as we've learned. Um, but, uh, hey, man, it's crazy. Right, right absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that I also want to touch on with this is, you know, you mentioned Chance Nolan's recruitment. Jonathan Smith spoke about that. We're recording this podcast on a Thursday. And Jonathan Smith spoke, spoke about this uh, earlier today when he was, you know, meeting the media for the final time and um, really spoke into the, the relationship that he had with Mark McElroy, the, uh, Saddleback Community College head coach and talked about their relationship and um, how he called him and pretty much was like, um, uh, for the most part, was pretty much just kind of like, you know, we've got a guy down here who we think is special and a guy that, you know, you guys need to keep an eye on. And Jonathan's like, we did. And we were able to get on him early and then was able to beat out some uh, big time, you know, other Pac-12 schools for his services. Jared, you and I were on his commitment all the way through. This was someone that you and I were like, an absolute, you know, gem of the recruiting class. And if I recall, I believe Utah was actually in that mix uh, mm -hmm. as, as a team that was, you know, after him, a, a couple other Pac-12 schools, can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but again, for Oregon State to be able to have kind of that, that inside track, be able to find this kid who, you know, uh, Saddleback Community College coach called one of the most more talented guys and in, instinctual, um, you know, just from what Smith has told us in press conferences and whatnot. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the point. What if Chance Nolan comes back and plays so well that the job is his? There's, I mean, there's certainly a chance, you know, people were calling and, you know, my hands. Right. Let's not, for, let's not forget about that. This, this very board 
was calling for a quarterback change after Washington. Right. And, and I, you know, it's hard to, it's, it is hard to blame. And again, my hands raised. I was one of the people saying I'd be okay with it. You know, give the guy yeah. a shot at the very least. Obviously, Tristan ended up playing a lot better than many people expected. In the two wins. I mean, he, he played better in the two wins. I mean, we talked about it before Cal when they were 0-2. We're like, for them to win a game, which at the time was, you know, heavily in doubt. I mean, you didn't we didn't know how far they were going to improve. And we talked about, you know, Tristan would have to lead them to a victory against Cal. He played well enough to get him there, right? Getting that whole, uh, that Taysom Hill action that week when he scored three different ways. And then last week, we said again, the passing game would need to be as good as it's been all year. And Tristan had to play the best he's played all year. He did, right? And then obviously gets the unfortunate injury. But from what we know about the talents of Chance Nolan and everything that we've heard, you know, I wouldn't say it'd be impossible that this could be a, a, a Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady situation where Chance Nolan could come in and play so well in the final three weeks or potentially bowl game. I and mean, we don't know you know, how long Tristan's going to be out. But again, as I mentioned, uh, you know, to you and, you know, to um, the folks in my story this last week, and even though it wasn't, you know, confirmed, you could tell on Jebbia's face following that game, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in, you know, excruciating pain. If you're going to be back next week, you're probably not, you know, in tears on the sidelines, right? I think he kind of knew the writing on the wall. And that's why I think, there's a chance he could come back late in the year. We'll see what happens with his health and, and all that. But I think they kind of knew that this was going to be the Chance Nolan show. And, you know, unlike, you know, previous years, and I say previous years, going even back to the Anderson era, where the backup quarterback maybe wasn't all that talented, this is not the case. Chance Nolan's an incredibly talented quarterback. Jared, you and I have been waiting to see kind of the, the training wheels be taken off him and let him fly. And I think now that he's got the – kind of grasp of the playbook that we were waiting for him to get, you know, with spring practices being canceled. And, you know, again, a dual threat quarterback in Brian Lindgren's offense. It's dangerous. That's the biggest thing to me. It's it's a it's a type of quarterback that, that the Beavers offense hasn't seen uh in some time. So it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of stuff they can draw up for him because he is, you know, he was the number one rated JUCO quarterback in the 2020 class. He was a, a four-star prospect, according to Rivals. You know, he's the ceiling's very high. Uh, and like you said, you know, I think there's a chance he could come in, really impress some people. And, uh, you know, of course, you, you hope that, that what we're saying could have happened is not the case. All goes well. We see Tristan trot out next, on, on Saturday. Everything's right. fine. But if, if that's not the case and Chance has to play, then uh, we've definitely I, – I mean – as you can tell, we've, we've got full belief in chance. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. You know, when you have, especially at the quarterback position, that comfort of knowing that you have a hurt quarterback but have a very good option behind them. And, heck, I'd even venture to say there's a good option behind chance too. Then, you know, you're doing something right. And that's the, that's the direction that, you know, we've been preaching the program right. was heading in this time, and now you're seeing it come to fruition. In case you're just joining us here on the Edge podcast, managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared House as we're recapping Oregon State's uh, victory over Oregon. We're starting to look ahead to Utah this weekend, talking some chance, Nolan. Uh, definitely an exciting time, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this is the most, you know, exciting Oregon State football has been and relevant at this point in the season, uh, even given, you know, the 
size and scale and all that uh, being 500 this late, I guess, in the season. And then, you know, with potential to uh, still win some more games. I mean, you look at Utah, you know, let's go ahead and start diving into that matchup a little bit. Uh, Utah hasn't won a game this season. Then obviously now you flip it around the last week, Stanford coming to Reeser uh, because, you know, Santa Clara County is, is uh, well, you know, removing teams from their homes, so to speak. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen it's not just Stanford uh, potential for a lot more Pac-12 teams that have to maybe get out of Dodge. And we even saw the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I believe they're now the, I'm not, I think they're the Arizona 49ers now moved down to Arizona and are sharing a facility uh, with the Cardinals. So basically any team in California is like getting out. That, that's just, that's how it's working. I guess, you know, I think back to like when San Jose state had to go up to like the Redwoods in the summer, just to be able to conduct practice. So Lots of craziness going on in, in California as far as that. So we're definitely, uh, you know, glad. I mean, as, as, an, as an Oregon State, someone that covers Oregon State, you're always happy to have a home game, right? And to Absolutely. be able to flip, flip that last week, regardless of fans or not, that makes your team more comfortable. And in the meantime, Stanford uh, had to, you know, come up and pull out. Now it's going to be in Washington uh, this week and then come to Corvallis. So, you know, all the less travel, that's more be- or more advantageous to your team this year. So. I think that's that that's a big thing, but you know, back to Utah. Um, three games canceled because of COVID this year. Uh, missed on the opportunities against Arizona State. Also lost Arizona and UCLA. Uh, given you know Arizona State, they've had some real issues this year. UCLA as well, and then Arizona. Um, tough, right? And they do once they do get back, uh, they open with with USC. USC beats them 33-17. And then Washington last week in a crazy heartbreaking game, Utah was up 21 to nothing. And it just looked like they were going to just run the Huskies right out of Dodge. And then everything changed. You know, Utah committed some turnovers. Um, Washington got some momentum and Washington stole that game. And, you know, now, you know, I think as you and I mentioned before we started uh, jumping on Jared, Utah is going to be plenty, plenty motivated to uh, try to earn their first win of the year. So the Beavers are going to have the work cut out for them in this one. You do have to wonder, though. I mean, to that same point, yes, I think they're you know probably incredibly motivated to win a game. But you have to wonder how demotivating it is to, to have three games canceled. And especially when you play and you give up a dang near 20-point lead, you know? It's like, how, how, how is this – you know, after this game, they've got two left. It's like, what? Yep. You know, it's just – or they've only got two left now, I think, even. Yeah. It, it depends on what happens with that that weird week seven. Nobody really knows still. Yeah. I mean, Either way, I mean like, I, yeah. It, it is interesting to think about. You know, it, it's going to be, I think, ultimately up to either great leadership from the team or uh, just on, all on the coaches to, to you know, kind of rally the troops after last week. And uh, despite only having a four-game season, you know, keeping them – keeping their head in the game and making them feel like it's worth it to go out there and, you know, lay lay 100% out on the line. Because uh, you know Oregon State, especially after last week, they're, they're confident. And uh, that was a big thing going into the Oregon game too. So I, I, I think Oregon State could finish the season very well uh, as long as they, they play like they should. So it's just – it's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I think uh, – you know, I think they're more than capable of beating this Utah team for sure. I believe right now the pundits gave a 0-2 Utah team an 11.5-point uh, favorite 
um, over Oregon State and Salt Lake on this one. Um, this will be another game where I'm definitely uh, picking Oregon State to cover the spread. Uh, we'll see uh, TBD. Check out Jared and I's staff predictions uh, on Friday for all of our complete breakdown. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting because historically, Jared, the Beavers have not played well against Utah. At least not, at least not go, going back to more like um, the Mike Riley era, more success. But I don't believe um, any success under Gary Anderson, obviously, and then uh, Jonathan Smith. A couple tough, tough games there too. I think maybe they got close one of those years. But Utah's just a tough matchup, right? They're really physical, great defense. You know, just that real gritty, almost uh, you know, like the grit and grind of like the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA a little bit. Just really physical. They're going to make you feel them. And the other thing is after you play Utah, you're probably licking your wounds physically uh, for a little while because they are just going to make the game physical. That's what Kyle Whittingham does. That's why they've had so much success over the years. And honestly, why they don't ever get boat racing games. You don't see Utah ever get blown out very often because they're able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides. They're able to establish their rhythm. And to beat them, you have to play in a really, really good game in all three phases. And you know, you look at what the Trojans did in week one. They're able to do that for some turnovers. And in the case of the Huskies last week, uh, that's just not giving up and letting your opponent kind of let doubt creep into their mind. And, you know, like you said, Jared, that motivation, it'll be interesting because now, like you said, Utah's 0-2. What if they get into a similar situation where Oregon State makes a comeback on them and maybe that doubt creeps in uh, again? So I'd certainly rather be on Oregon State side and have the momentum, but how much do you account for maybe a letdown game in this one? It would, I'm not saying it'd be understandable, but be after beating Oregon in such the way that they did, um, I can't say I'd be blown away if this was a bit of a letdown game for Oregon State. No, I mean, you could definitely see it happening. You know, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. Like we were saying earlier, that the Oregon game is usually the final game of the season, right. uh, unless there's a bowl game. Um, so, it's going to be really interesting to see how the staff is able to kind of get there. Get, all right, everybody get your heads back in the game. I know you just finished playing the game that usually you're looking forward to throughout the course of the year, but we've still got some ball to play. We've got a great right. team. We have to go play this Saturday. Uh, and like you said, an incredibly solid team in all phases of football. So it, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. I, I could definitely see, you know, it happening either way. Uh, but, you know, it's the same same deal as Oregon. You know, we're not saying anything much different uh, because both of them are incredibly talented football teams and well coached football teams. So, uh, you know, Oregon's just gonna have to Oregon State's gonna have to play well, and uh, if they do that, then then they'll win the game. They're, they've got the talent, and, and and after what I saw last week, I believe they have the coaching to uh, to make it happen against you know anybody on the schedule. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, when I got right down to it, that game proved it to me. There isn't an unwinnable game on the no. schedule. And I think that's what probably has Oregon State fans so frustrated is if Oregon State played like that against Washington State, they wouldn't have lost. It, you know, I mean, no disrespect to Washington State, but Oregon State, the Oregon State team that played in week one barely was even close to the Oregon State team that we saw play Oregon. And I think, well, maybe, and, you know, I know Washington State, you know, played Oregon tough, right? And I don't want to take anything away from the Cougs, but I just think the Beavers have improved so much since week one, and particularly from week one to week two. I mean, you saw just how much they proved against Washington. And, you know, if maybe a whistle had gone one way or the other or a spot 
had been a little bit long, uh, you know, a little bit more accurate, um, that game could have gone a little bit more differently. And we've been talking about a three and one record because, you know, other than that Washington State game, where I can almost confidently say I didn't think the Beavers were going to be in it after about the first quarter, where I'm like, this team just doesn't look, you know, they just didn't look right in that first game of the year. It happens. The next week wasn't the case. They were ready to go against Washington. They've been ready to go against Cal and ready to go against Oregon. And that's why I firmly believe they'll be ready to go in these last two, because this this is a team to me that, Jared, as I'm kind of looking at it, um, appears to be getting better as the season goes along. And that really seems to hone in on like that Jonathan Smith mantra of, you know, maybe we don't open the season rock stars. Maybe we're not, you know, earth beaters. But man, by the end of the year, we're going to be playing our best ball. Right. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Eventually, though, you know, the, at the end of the day, the goal for this program is to win a national championship. So eventually, as far-fetched as it may sound at this point, you know, that's going to have to wear off at some time. So while we're not going to go back to the Washington State game or, like you said, the the phantom spot in the Washington game. Um, you know, they're, so they're, some weird camera angles up there in Seattle, Jared, let me tell you. But they have gotten better. You know, like you said, it, undoubtedly, every single game they've gotten better. Uh, so if they continue on that trend, then I, I don't see them losing another game the rest of the season if they continue to, to improve. Uh, but yeah. you have to wonder. With Chance, again, I have all the faith in him in the world, but how much could this change the offense? Could could it get them out of rhythm at least for a game before they start to to recoup again and he forms his, his chemistry with his favorite receivers? Or, right. or stuff. You saw some some really solid connections there at the end of the game. You can just tell that Tristan was starting to get on the same page with some of those. That players. light that light started to go off. You really it, could it tell. Yep. It, it does take some time. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, like I said, I, I've got belief belief in chance, and of course I have belief in all the other guys as well. Right. So, uh, you know, if 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 they're able to to go out there and make it happen, then I wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and and again, take nothing away from Tristan. You know, I mean, Jared, you you can back me up. I had been in the guy's corner you, you the whole back. time, and back. but I'm also cognitive enough to know that Chance is a special player, and I know that he's got talent. And I'm not saying it's my prediction, but if he comes in and balls out, say Tristan, let's just say for argument's sake, Tristan misses the next two games, which would be the, you know, the final two scheduled games and then leave week seven open to, you know, interpretation, which I think is moderately, moderately realistic given how quickly in this week they ruled him out. Say Chance Nolan led Oregon State to two victories. Do you go back to Tristan? (laughs) <laughs> right so i'm like buckle up beaver fans some quarterback controversy some quarterback honestly, battles are always exciting or, go ahead that, no i'm just saying that's honestly the best case scenario you know right. it's a it's a tough situation to be in but you know it's better than getting you know steamrolled these next few games or even just losing both of them and having right minor chance, or tristan hurry up please come back type of deal right and, and for me i think when i just look at not to say that Tristan's not an ideal fit for the offense, but when I, you know, break down Brian Lindgren's offense and I see what the strengths are, particularly I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, zoom in even more Oregon state's offense versus this Utah team. I like having a mobile quarterback as opposed to one who's not Utah is extremely aggressive. They play a ton of man coverage and what's a good man coverage beater quarterback draws, you know, quarterback getting out of the pocket and having one-on-one space. And, you know, Utah plays a ton of man coverage. Like, 
you know, over and over again. And I think back to last year, um, you know, Pac-12 championship game. Justin Herbert did pretty good things keeping the ball on the zone read, and they kind of called it unleashing, you know, uh, Herbert in that game. And now we've seen the NFL, you know, when the coaching staff at Oregon was finally able to take the training wheels off. I guess, you know, you couldn't take him off before the last game of your senior year almost to, you know, keep him keep him safe. But, um, you know, love love seeing what he's been doing uh, there in Los, An- or Los Angeles. Right? Yes, Los Angeles. Almost uh, said San Diego there. But, um, you know, I just remembered last year how much Herbert had the advantage over Utah in that Pac-12 championship game with kind of that zone read action. And I think, you know, no two Utah teams are the same. And they lost a lot of talent from last year, but the scheme and physicality is all the same. And they're not going to be ready for a quarterback to pull it on the zone read because there's no film of Chance Nolan doing it. There's no film of Oregon State really doing it um, designed in their offense as far as a quarterback. When we saw Tristan Jebbia, you know, tuck it run last week, which was pretty cool uh, against Oregon, but not designed. So um, I think it could be a real X factor if the Beavers are able to. You know, I, I talked about it, you know, recently, if they're able to just set it up, right, set it up to Jefferson, set it up to Baylor, set it up. And then, you know, when you need that, you know, um, what, do you, what do they call it, tendency breaking play, Nolan keeps it and there might be one guy he has to miss. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point. And I'm sure that uh, it's something that the coaches have taken into account as well. Uh, you You'd know, be surprised, actually, when someone asked Jonathan about it today, they're like, Jonathan, do you expect to run the ball more? He's like, oh, I'm not going to get into my scheme. So yeah. I, I, I would assume that they are definitely going to have some wrinkles for a guy who could run a 40 and is just a lot more athletic than Tristan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I was saying, just an interesting point. And I'm sure they've done their research and their homework, uh, probably watching some some stuff uh, from that game. And uh, right. will apply it to their own scheme moving into this game. So it'll, it'll be fun to watch. Certainly. And then uh, just to kind of start to wrap up this edition is, is again, make sure to check back uh, Friday and Saturday uh, this week as we will have, you know, coverage wall to wall of um, previewing Utah stuff. We've got basketball in the mix, too. I don't want to forget about it on this podcast, too. Oregon State men's and women's basketball starting up. Um, You know, we've said this before. We're going to be a little limited with with, you know, updates and weekly features and stuff uh, until football is over. But once football is over, we'll be, you know, um, uh, just ready to go and ready to rear and, you know, really get after it with the women's teams and the men's team. But I've been able to keep tabs a, a little bit with them. So make sure to check out uh, Beaver's Edge. We'll have uh, a few things here and there on them until football wraps up. But really, Jared, the golden goose right now uh, outside of football is looking ahead. Drum roll, please. We are done. Bum. Less than two weeks away from signing day if you can believe it in this crazy 2020 year, which means we are finally almost out of 2020 because it means it's in December. So we are getting close to closing the door on this calendar year and uh, wrapping up uh, this recruiting class, Jared, let's just kind of, uh, you know, real surface level. We got a little under two weeks, bottom line. You're going to want to be at beaversedge.com. We are going to kill it with the coverage. Um, you know, it's a bit of a smaller class for Oregon state this year. Um, you know, between eight and 11 guys, depending on how it all shakes out. Uh, maybe one more, one less, but um, we are going to have it all dialed. And that's going to be right in the middle of when we still have, you know, football going on. That'll be the, the week seven, the final, you know, yeah. play in week, so to speak. So that'll be just fantastic to work through all of it in that week, you know, preview stuff, you know, Jared and I, it's hashtag team, no sleep that week. 
Uh, it's yeah. okay. Christmas will be on the horizon after that. But uh, um, nevertheless, lots of exciting stuff. Jared, what are some updates that we can look forward to uh, on the recruiting side? And uh, then just kind of preview what we're going to be uh, giving the folks here in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. Signing day is always a, a fun day, you know, for, for us. It's uh, it, I mean, it is really, really awesome to see the kids, you know, make their dreams come true uh, and really solidify that by putting the, the pen to the paper. So it's it's always a fun day, always super exciting uh, for that reason. But it is a day that you definitely want to be on the damn board more than anything else. Yep. Uh, you know, no other place to be. Not even a day. You know, it's it's probably we'll probably have signing day content until and well, I mean, until coronavirus is over, we'll have it until the late period, and then we'll have some from the late period as well. So heck, we'll have signing day content starting probably middle of next week. Uh, to through what March, March, yeah, February, March, somewhere in there. Yeah, it'd be nice. We definitely want to be plugged in. We've already got some some knowledge on some things that are going to be happening moving forward. And let me just say, you 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 don't want to miss it. Um, you know, if you're if you're an Oregon State fan, you, you want to see this stuff. Uh, I mean, so. right now, why not? I mean, Jared, you can like like I said, shameless plug here. You can join Beaver's Edge for thirty days free yeah. right now, and and right now, Beavers are starting to win some football games. There's not a better place to be than. Beaver's Edge, you can jump on the damn board. You can talk Oregon State with your friends. You get to read Jared and I's stuff. And again, uh, you can join for 30 days free. No no, uh, no risk, anything like that. And, you know, Jared and I keep the content going. You know, as far as Oregon State coverage from top to bottom, uh, it's no comparison. Yeah, I would, I would guarantee that, you know, and, and it's funny, before I was ever, you know, a part of the network as a, as a writer, I was always curious as well, like, what what is it with the subscription stuff? What's the benefit? And then you get on it and you're like, oh, yep. my gosh, you never want to leave. You truly never want to leave. That's why we have people that check in on the board and post every day, hours a day, every single day. It, it, it's truly a, a fun place to be. And there's a lot more to it than what you see on the surface because you don't have access to it if you're not. So, so, so uh, it's a lot, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, we've got a lot of great information that uh, is not public yet that uh, you're going to want to see. So be sure to, uh, to to be tuned in. And not to mention, I mean, uh, for Beaver fans, I mean, you know, I, I get it. Maybe you wanted to, you know, not not consume as much Oregon State football when they weren't as good. Well, that's maybe starting to flip now. We've been saying it and preaching it for a couple years now here at Beaver's Edge, but uh, we've been patient through multiple rebuilds. And I think, you know, the fruits of that labor is about ready to pay off. So you know, bottom line, you're going to want to be at Beaver's Edge. You know, Jared and I, uh, we team no sleep over here at Beaver's Edge. We just roll on all the time. But uh, just to kind of uh, to wrap up uh, this podcast and kind of look ahead, um, you know, we got uh, Utah content coming up this week. We're going to have a crossover story with our Utah Rivals sister site going up. Jared and I will have this podcast going up as well. And then uh, stay tuned for Jared's story, starters as recruits from both teams. I love reading that feature every week, man. And uh, then, you know, all my post-game stuff as well uh, coming through. And, you know, it's, it's going to be another interesting game. The pack, hack, hashtag Pac-12 After Dark Affair. Um, it only seems right that the Beavers play late at night. It just it seems like it's just how it works. And, uh, yeah, you, you, it's going to be exciting. You know, there's definitely some momentum on the Beavers, some great storylines. Chance Nolan uh, getting his first career start. It, Jonathan said it today. He's anxious to see how he does. I am too. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a good time. It certainly is. I, my favorite quote, I don't remember who it was from, was just like, there's nothing quite like, I mean, being on the East coast, that is, 
it's like, there's nothing quite like it being like 1230 at night and you're, you're, you're battling sleep on your couch and then you wake up and see like some like 41 to 42 Pac-12 <laughs> game happening and it just wakes you right back up. It, it's always a ton of fun. So it's fun when Oregon is, is the team that's on the TV. Well, and, and Jared, it also helps when they're winning some of those Pac-12 after dark games too. I mean, let's not be remiss for, for fans that, you know, don't like to tune in to see their team lose. And that's more than fair. I mean, I mean, Jared, you wouldn't know what that was like being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan this season, but you make a good point. <laughs> no, but no, but it, it, in all, in all, uh, all jokes aside, uh, no, it's uh, that that was a um, that was definitely a uh, an interesting moment uh, for you know the Steelers this last weekend. Just to wrap this podcast up in the most bizarre way, how <laughs> weird was it seeing NFL football at three o'clock or I guess three o'clock for you, like noon for me? I mean, I was like looking, I'm like, what? How? No, yeah, it was super yeah. weird. It was even yeah. it was even weirder seeing uh, the game be competitive. Uh, that was that was the worst part about it. <laughs> that was just not something that, that I expected. Actually, that's kind of the – I'm a Mike Tomlin fan, but that's something that he is he is kind of known for is playing down to the level of competition. Uh, he, he pulls it out most of the time, but goodness gracious, does he make it scary. So, yeah, it was it was fun. Like you said, most bizarre way to wrap it up, but no Steelers. Hey, you know, I'm thinking we need to start a Beaver's Edge bingo, and for every time I bring up the Steelers, I bring up Georgia – you know, you can mark one down. And I think we're going to need to just get some of our bigger catchphrases, like, you know what I mean, or something like that. Start a little Beaver's Edge bingo. A few folks that are listening to hear any of our little favorite catchphrases you catch us seeing, maybe it's, you know, um, I'm feeling, or whatever it is, just let us know, and we can uh, we can joke about it forever. I, I got to hear this, man. This is going to be too much fun. But all jokes aside, uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us on another edition of the Edge Podcast. Great stuff uh, from Jared uh, and myself this week on the site. Lots of stuff preview in Oregon State, Utah, like we said uh, a couple minutes ago. It's a great time to be uh, at beaversedge.com because it's a great time to be around the Oregon State football program right now. There's some real momentum going on. We've got it completely dialed and covered in like nobody else as far as, you know, football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, recruiting. There's no there's no lapse in that. It's It's all the same attention and effort given – um and, and that's what we think makes us special and you know why um you know we want you guys to go sign up and subscribe join 30 days free you can send messages to jared talking about his pittsburgh Steeler fandom on the board you can give me back uh, whatever we want you guys to join we want you guys to you know be a part of the beaver's edge family and jared it's it's a darn good time man we've seen it this week the activity this week following that uh, uh win over oregon it's been exciting, you know, some people coming back that I hadn't seen a ton from, you know, in a, you know, a hot minute, as they so say, and, you know, a, a win over Oregon uh, will definitely get everyone jazzed up. We're jazzed up, fired up here at Beaver's Edge and really ready to bring you guys uh, the last uh, couple weeks of content here. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. There's, there's a lot of good good happening right now, so there's no better time. So take advantage of it, and uh, I promise it'll be worth it. That'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. Big shout-out to Jared Hallis for joining me as we preview Oregon State, Utah, talk some signing day, talked a little bit of hoops. And, again, for all those diehard hoops fans and baseball fans out there, we know you're there on the board. I know who you are. I know you guys really uh, looking forward to hoop season. We'll be getting that into that soon and even 
you know, in our coming, you know, we make our podcast weekly. We're going to be getting deeper into hoops as football starts to wind down too. So um, I know Jared's a super big hoops guy is excited to see, you know, some of his guys that he covered on the recruiting trail, like Tariq Silver, you know, start to make their way in the, you know, men's program and on the women's side too. So definitely lots of good stuff going on on that side as well. So that'll go ahead and wrap up uh, this edition of the edge podcast. Uh, Thanks to Jared Hallis. Once again, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off.